0: Welcome to our How to Wow Summer Run 2023 and a series of wondrous conversations recorded live at CarFest last year. CarFest is a not-for-profit well-being, music, food, superstar and motorcar festival that has so far raised circa £25 million for UK children's charities. Check out what's happening this year by going to carfest.org. Carfest.org that is, where you'll see our best ever lineup of guest hosts and rock and rollers, yet many of them staying with us the whole weekend, including the likes of Richard Hammond, Lee Mack, Briny Gordon, Eddie Izzard, Rick Astley, Craig David, Russell and Laura Brand, Texas McFly, The Actual Village People, Alex Horn, Angela Hartnett, Matt Tebbett, Michael Keynes, Atul Kutcher, Freya Ridings, Ben Miller, Dr. Rung and Chatterjee, Doctor Reapy, The Happy Pair, Melanie Sykes, The Feelings, Sophie Ellis bextor Ray like Gokuan Reef, the bootleg Beatles, and only Peter flipping Andre, plus all the amazing car content, of course. Go to carfest.org now and come join us this August bank holiday weekend. All right, from that very event, let's cue a conversation, a fascinating conversation. I'm talking about Jimmy Carr and Rob Brydon. Carfest.org to come see them live this year and to get you in the mood or tempt you even more to doing just that. How about listening to the next hour, discussing comedy, stand-up, their careers and life with myself, it is Rob, a regular who comes every year with his family for the whole weekend to CarFest, and Jimmy, who came for the first time last year and is coming back this year because he loves it so much. So please welcome a StarFest Extra with Jimmy Carr and Rob Bryden. He, he comes now Thursday, he comes on Thursday with 27 members of his family. It's unbelievable, you know? Uh, but he's here one more time. Rob Bryden, everybody! Somebody else, on his family holiday this week, just because we asked and he said, yes, I've heard about it, I've always wanted to go to it. He loves cars, so he's come off his family holiday just to be here today. Got a taxi here, getting a taxi back tonight. Jimmy Carr! Thanks very much. Yeah, we're on, this is it. Um, Mike, check, check, check. Are we all working?
1: One, two, three, One, two, four, Jimmy.
0: five. When you
2: said a hay bale, I pictured something else. I figured... I'm- by the way, I think I'm wearing up the wrong bit. shorts for this, <laughs> 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 can I have
0: Can I have some bigger
2: shorts? <laughs> you, are, you are... I believe the phrase is showing brain. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. Interesting. Well, the kids can I see did, where I didn't oh. think this through. As if I'm not warming up. you've got a flask of soup while you're at it. Jimmy, you love cars. You really
2: love cars. I, genuinely, this feels like an incredible event. I have vaguely heard you talk about this before. I had no idea it was this. I didn't know the track was here, the collection of cars. I haven't come for long enough. I've absolutely missed time. Yeah, well, please don't start coming
0: for as long as he comes, because frankly, <laughs> we're running out of comps. As much as I appreciate your... Pr- no, Of understand. course, I love you being, But we want Rob to be officially sort of a founder now of CarFest. Do you think... Do you think that would be a great thing. And yet, and yet I'm the one with my name in the title. Yeah, it's not, but it's not spelled spell right, though. Yeah, that, that's going to change next yeah. year. And, and Rob, ironically, you're
1: not a massive car fan, are you, at all? I like cars, I have an above average interest in cars, but not as much as someone like him or someone like you, but I like cars, but I don't want to get in a fast car with you again around that track like I did the first year, and I was nearly violently sick. You were, you were, Um,
0: but what's interesting about Rob is everything, for a start, but I love the way that he sort of um, uh, calibrates things in his mind, I have above average interest in cars,
1: what does that mean? Well, you could find a person who had no interest in cars. Yeah, I get that. That's not me. I know. I'm interested. Interested. But I know
0: nothing. But how are you above average? Because not not being interested isn't average. That's just not
1: being interested. Well, it's not that I'm not interested, Chris. I like cars. I do like them.
0: I'm just interested in the above average thing.
1: Well, because I'm seeing someone who just likes them a bit. Help me,
2: oh, Jim. I feel, I feel, I'm not the man for this. I feel you need a lawyer present for this section of the talk. It does feel like you're not fond enough of cars, and we'd just like you to make a pledge to
1: change that. <laughs> or, or leave now. no.
2: No. We love I think Rob. Chris, what's happened is yeah. Rob's had a lot of kids, like by any one standard, yeah. an above average number of kids. And really, the money we've frittered away on cars is money we could have spent on an extra five children and a shoe. Yeah. yeah.
1: Exactly. Or contraception. What um, so a mean, word I was expecting to hear in this
0: chat. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a Welsh accent. You should have been here for the Russell Brand conversation yesterday. Um, <laughs> God, that was fascinating, wasn't it? Ah. Uh, um Jimmy, uh w- what do you have? I know you have a you have an Aston Martin DB6,
2: don't you? Yeah, I've got an Aston Martin DB6 that comes it's actually sort of more two vehicles because it comes with an AA assistance van. <laughs> I've I've genuinely I've you know, I take it out and they always have to bring me home. The missus just you sort of arrive four hours later. I going, thought they only ah. did
0: relay. Don't they just take you to the next available place or something like that? You, <laughs> can, you can take them on tour. It's a great way. Oh, I'll do a gig here. It's quite a
2: nice thing breaking down in a classic car, though, because you break down and the AA guy is thrilled to see you. Because AA, AA guys are like, they're, they're the best. They can fix anything by the side of the road. And they're genuinely, they're like, wow, I never get to have a go on one of these. I'm, I'm normally, you know, fixing a Tesla, trying to plug in a toaster. This is awesome. <laughs>
0: Um, And you also have a Porsche 911, a great, a lovely Porsche 911, don't you? Yeah, a Targa from
2: 89, which I I think is... God, this is going to be boring for some of you, but I think it's the last Porsche you could really drive that didn't drive you. Rob agrees.
0: How how are you finding this chat now?
1: Sorry, what? (laughs) I've got a hybrid Range Rover. I know. And an electric Jag. (laughs) It's and nice, very, isn't it? Very pleased with them. What's what's great about Jimmy's choice of cars is,
0: is that I think I'm good. I think an Aston, you know, an Aston Five or a six. The six is the best one to drive, isn't it? The five gets all the glory, but the, the first Bond car wasn't a five anyway. It was a four because they couldn't get a five and they re it. Uh, but the five. I don't like cars as much as him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel. I Sorry. feel now,
2: just like two sentences in, okay. I might be out of my depth here, right. Rob. Let's gang up on
0: Chris. Okay, so so the, the four is great to drive, the six is great to drive, the Wasn't five it is great a to have? Wasn't James Bond's first car a Bentley in the books? Um, his first car was... Yeah, I've got a thumbs up from a lady it was, there, it was, high it was, on something. It was... Um, yeah, because none of, none, of uh, none of the cars in the films were in the books at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, ben, it was a, v- a Villiers engine... A supercharged Villiers engine, I think it was. Um, Any anyway, one of those Villierses, wasn't it? So, so the six is great, but also, sorry, and I'll finish nerding out about this. If you have a two-car garage, right, and you open it up, and you've got an Aston Martin and a Porsche, a, a classic like early seventies, you know, late seventies, early eighties early Targa. they that, they're that, that, too. Well done. Excellent taste, my friend. Excellent
2: work. Yeah, but it's no Range Rover hybrid, is it? <laughs> Tell us more about
0: this hybrid. What does it
1: identify yeah. as? Come on,
0: how do you choose your... Seeing as you have an above-average interest
1: in cars...
0: <laughs> uh, how do, how do, <laughs> I love that. Why is it that everything you say sounds so nice?
1: Well, look. It's a lovely colour. It's blue. You can do that Apple CarPlay on it, and you can hear your music and your WhatsApps, and I'm happy in it. But I'm loving more than that, the electric jag. There's something now, and this may be anathema here after we just whizzed round the track. What did you say about Greta Thunberg? I imagine Greta Thunberg is somewhere in the... If you listen, you can hear her crying.
2: Just the amount of petrol and wheels. The electric jag is
1: lovely. It's so quiet, it's so clean, and clearly it is the future. I love that. Uh, I, you know you...
2: what? I, I think the future for being environmentally friendly, buy an old car and drive it forever. It's already been built. That's the thing, right? Well, buy and drive them forever.
0: Oh, oh, this is the crowd to say that, yeah. Yeah, know your audience. Yeah, but it's so true, I've been saying that for years. I mean, the amount of energy it takes to build a new energy-saving car. And two, two engines. He's got I, I, two I... engines in, this, uh, in yeah. this Range Rover. But I think somebody, I I think somebody did the maths on this. And they, they figured out that if you kept your old car... No, if you got rid of any car, whether it's like a year old or like 20 years old, and you bought a new car, your new car would have to do like something like 170,000 miles. I think it was even more to offset it and the other car's carbon footprint. But then they... Yeah, it was just, uh, even this is the, this, great, this is the great Warren Buffett wisdom.
2: You know that story? Yeah. Warren Buffett tells a story, the richest guy in the world, whatever he is, some investor, and he says, look, you can have any car you want. You're all car people. Picture the car you would get if you could have any car, and the only catch is that's the only car you can ever have. So you'd baby that car, right? You'd, you'd change the oil every three months. You'd make sure you put the premium in it. You'd get it serviced, And the story is, you already have that car. That's your body.
0: Yeah, man. Some people look after their cars more than their body, don't they? Yes, you. (laughs) I'm looking at those shorts. Yeah. Sorry. They're too short. They're they're very short shorts. I do (laughs) apologise. I completely forgot I was doing the hay bale thing. And my knackers hanging out all over Hampshire.
1: (laughs) That reminds me, I must stop on the way home and get some Brussels sprouts. They said on the Royal Family once, we did this thing on TFI
0: where we didn't have any, any clothes on. We did the Naked Parade every week. And um, uh, Jim Royal ha- was watching TFI Friday on the Royal Family. and He said, that reminds me, I've got to get some tangerines on what the way that? home. <laughs> right, okay, so, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, J- Jimmy, his orbit is extraordinary, isn't it? Yes. Would you like to sort of speak to that? for the audience's sake for a moment or two
1: what the
0: The orbit that he inhabits you know that we were
1: talking about before the the Jimmy yeah oh Jimmy's a remarkable chap I've known Jimmy for a long time yeah and Jimmy is uh, an enthusiast of life Jimmy has read everything he's seen everything if you say to him oh I hear there's this Netflix documentary I've seen it I hear there's this book I've read it I hear there's this guy who I've met him am I sick this feels like a living wake
2: and I think ridiculous.
1: what I'll miss most about Jimmy...
2: I feel like the guy in the sixth sense. I'm still here. Why is Chris asking
1: Rob about me? Do you know what? i If right Jimmy here. were here now, Chris, I think... It feels I like a very poor interview even it? He'd come dressed inappropriately, all in navy or dark, as he if he was on his way to court. Of course, there was a chance he could have been. But he would have... <laughs> He would have lit this place up, and I... Here's to you, Jim, you are a one in a million. Good God, alive! I'm on the way to
2: a paying gig, and I think you know that, Rob. You are always on your way
0: to a paying gig.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You (laughs) don't...
0: You double gig. Tell, tell everyone about your double gigging now.
2: Double gigging? Double gigging. I like to do two in a night. I yeah. like to do a seven and a 9.30. Because yeah. why not? Because, well, it's, I had a run-in with the tax man. It's one for me, one for them.
0: I know that you're sort of past the trigger point of um, PTSD as far as that's concerned, and you obviously spoke to it there. What, what else can you tell us about that? Because I know you wrote, it, write it, about well, it in your book, would, don't
2: we, you? Would you like to know how much money I saved in tax? I'm very open, but yeah. <laughs> Nothing, despite quite a lot of effort on my part. Honestly, I'm the only person here that would have been better off financially taking advice from a Nigerian general over email. It went horrifically badly. But, you know, if you're going to get in a scandal, that's the one to get. Because there's that great phrase, we cannot forgive what we cannot punish. And it feels like financial scandal, you just go, I'm sorry, I'll pay it back. And you're all right.
0: Are you back in the black? Are you okay? Uh,
2: am I back? In, am I all right? I mean, I'm sat on a hay bale with you. I'm doing great.
0: Yeah. And you got a DB6 and 911 in the garage. It just can't be terrible, can it?
2: I'd have a few more
0: cars now. That's the only thing that would have changed. <laughs> yeah, I've got well, to have a go in yours. What I was alluding to is the fact that Jimmy, because he's like... You, you play Australia. You, play, you travel pretty well, don't you, with your fare. Uh, but Jimmy's like, you are a... a you're renowned around the world you play around the world you play in america they know you're in america you do specials in america i play you... everywhere i mean literally
2: 40 countries deep yeah I mean, because it's that wonderful thing where if you book it in they'll come and see you it's like crazy i'm like i see I've, everyone I've, i just did a nine city tour of norway which is remarkable because they've only got two cities it's extraordinary
0: when you go to America, though, because you just had lunch with um, David Letterman. Yeah. It, David Letterman doesn't even go out for lunch with himself. How, how did that happen? How did that, that come about? That was my friend Judd Apatow. Uh,
2: we, we both decided to invite ludicrous people to lunch because we were having lunch. And we said, well, look, we've got a fairly good address book. We'll invite people to lunch. And uh, his turned up. Mine did. Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did you invite? Uh, Dave Chappelle.
0: Right. And you had just had breakfast with Jerry Seinfeld or something? Uh yeah. That's but you know, but this is where I want to be, next to Rob Brydon on a hab. <laughs> and um like when you go to uh, Scotland, didn't you just like phone up gordon brown and say should we have dinner and all that, that stuff i mean you are very good at that aren't you? you are very good at reaching out to people and staying in touch you even try with me and you know i don't have a phone i don't do, do email but you even gave it a go with me god bless you
2: yeah you you seem to be kind of the the world's most popular hermit you don't sort of come out but when you do thirty thousand people turn up it's most peculiar you don't have a phone like how how on, like, I'm at this festival thinking they used to do things like this before mobile phones. It must have been chaos. People must have just started new families because they couldn't find the old one. And yet you, you're living life like that. I couldn't, I don't think I could maintain my home life without WhatsApp. Yeah. I do have a person that's got a phone. That works. A mobile person. You've got a mobile per.
0: That's why Rob's here. <laughs> no, it's not Rob. It's not Rob.
1: That's oh. the kind of humour I used to love with Jimmy. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> talk about Jimmy, shall we? Whenever I hear somebody being rude within feet of the person concerned, I <laughs> think of Jimmy.
0: <laughs> 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 when Jimmy goes out with a single microphone in front of thousands of people, which I know you've done, right? If it's so forensically and perfectly as he does. yeah. As another comic. Yeah. What do you think about
1: that? Well, that, what's interesting with Jimmy is he's talking about doing two shows a night. And we've talked about this. It, my shows, I move around, I talk to the audience, there's music, there's hymn, there's quite a lot of energy. You've told me that you have these beautifully constructed gags, it's pay off, uh, set up payoff. So you've told me that you don't come off in that different a mental or physical state than you went on.
2: It's, it's almost like I do it for a living, Rob. <laughs> You're very fussy after
1: a gig. You're very oh I'm tired, need to have a sit down. No, but Jim, Jimmy again is using this sardonic humour to make a point. It's true that if you if you if you are standing there and you're doing beautifully crafted material, it's not as physically taxing, I would say, as when you're running around up and down.
2: He's gonna sing, you're gonna sing, aren't you? There's no stopping you. At some point I will. There's no stopping you. You can slow him down, but you can't the
0: idea's already there. I don't know if you heard the radio show on Friday or not, but um, Rob was talking about... Rob is now into management. He's managing acts. And um, y- you have one of your uh, favourite artists uh, attempting a renaissance this evening.
1: I found an act. I went to the Elvis Festival in Porthcawl in 2015, and there was this amazing guy, Terry Jenkins, performing on stage as Elvis, and he had an emotional breakdown. He saw his wife at the back of the room. No, no, don't look. Not there. T- LAUGHTER this it is a just memory. so real It's a memory He saw his wife with a younger Elvis And he hasn't performed Since then I've persuaded him to come and perform with the band tonight He looks a lot like me And they're going to enjoy it While the jury's out, let's see You won't be here to tell You'll be in Crawley
2: Yeah, that's, that's right, yeah
1: Are there tickets still available?
2: Not for the second show Some tickets for the first show if you're quick. Yeah, but that's that's the one HMRC gets.
0: So, yeah, please don't leave. Whatever you do. Um, So, so Jimmy, Jimmy wrote a book uh, about a year ago. Now was it? Yeah, about you. In the lockdown, we all had to do something in lockdown.
2: Most comedians. Yeah, how was lockdown for you? Well, we got a call from management saying you either have to write a book or do a podcast, and I took the dignified approach,
1: Rob. (laughs) I did a podcast. I tell you what, one thing I do remember about Jimmy as we're here paying tribute to him. Not, not long before he died, during the podca- uh, the um, pandemic, it was Jimmy actually, and if he were here now he, he'd admit to this. He saved a lot of our skins because he would put on these online quizzes for a few of the comedians, a few of the people... And my wife and I used to really look forward to a Saturday night, he would arrange it, he'd pop up there in his home, and he'd have done a whole quiz. It was fantastic. Again, God bless you, Jimmy. (laughs) And he'd put as much effort into the presenting as he does when he's on the telly. By which I mean not very much. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. You do put a lot of effort in. You you, were...
0: We went out for lunch just before Christmas, and um, Jimmy said, I've got to go, I'm doing a, a, a quiz, an online quiz. No, it, it was a paid gig, It might have been a paid gig, I can't remember. But the effort, because you didn't tell me about that, but I had met somebody the next day who just happened to be, you know, one of the recipients of this quiz, and they said it was awesome. I, mean, yeah, do, was, uh, no, do. I, I like those quizzes,
2: though. I they kind of started doing the big fat quiz and stuff, and it's kind of, they're fun. I really like kind of tough quiz competitions. Uh, just a fun thing to do, right? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do it for your
0: mates during lockdown? Yeah, but the way, you put, the way it. It? You, you put so much effort in, it's great, Jimmy. You're, you're both real. You talk about perfectionists or whatever, they're just extremely good at the job. The fact they bothered to come here today speaks volumes about them as people, I think. I think, just think they're so good. It's an absolute pleasure. I feel... I, I spend I every Jim.
1: day of my life, uh, if I ever had a dilemma, I say, what would Jimmy have done? And sometimes after phone his widow, I speak to her... I say, look, i got this. What would Jimmy have done? She said he wrote down about this. Let me find it. She goes into the attic. She looks for his writings. In a way, they've become a Bible to me.
0: Yeah, and HMRC couldn't claim, could they, after he became
1: deceased? That's right. Yeah, so yeah. she's all right now. Well, some have said that his death was a tax dodge. <laughs> it certainly wasn't a coffin dodge. Uh, that's don't be giving sure. me
0: ideas. So, Jimmy's book, um, it was a semi-memoir, but also it was a bit self developmenty wasn't it? It was great. I really love self-help. It. Very, very well, good book. Well,
2: it was that weird thing, wasn't it, where self-help books, I've got a lot from them over the years. Favourites? Uh, well, Eckhart Tolle, probably, Power of Now, is a great book, but it hasn't got any jokes in it. I mean, it's really, it's very earnest, and I sort of like the idea of sugarcoating that a bit, especially for the people that were, I had a big life change when I was in my sort of mid-20s, of, like, leaving a corporate world and joining the circus and yo-ho-ho, a pirate's life for me, going off and becoming a comedian. And I kind of wanted that for other people. I think a lot of people, especially post-lockdown, sort of going, well, what am I doing with my life? What would I like to do? And so it's kind of got a lot of the... I mean, all self-help books are the same, aren't they? It's all hard choices now, easy life later. That's the whole thing. Yeah, Okay. so um,
0: biggest lessons then. What, in in life? Yeah, just give us three things that you... You you know, we're of an age, you've had an extraordinary life. You've Um, had the highs, you've had the lows. What have you
2: learned? Wishing wells work. That's my big one. I like the idea that wishing wells work, but before you think they work. Knowing what to wish for is the thing. If you know what you want, it becomes quite easy. 1,500 children... A thousand cars. Whatever it is. If you know what you want, you can kind of find it, I think, or go after it, go on the quest. But finding that seems to be the bit... We're not very good at teaching that. Like careers advisors, it's like crazy... Crazy talking to people that are careers advisors about a career. It's insane. What would they know? They're careers advisors. (laughs)
1: I, well, wishing well, as I always think back to when I was struggling in the sort of mid-90s and couldn't get arrested, couldn't get anywhere, sometimes if I couldn't sleep, and this is an embarrassing admission, I would picture myself on Michael Parkinson's chat show and him saying, Now, Robbie, you've had a wonderful career. You've done this and you've done that. You've done that. I'm doing Michael Parkinson. <laughs> and, and I would go to sleep thinking of this, and in a way, I suppose I was visualising, you know, I was dreaming, I was dreaming, and I ended up on his show, so... And, and that I was, was very near the end the of time, his show, all wasn't All the time, thinking about this, all the time, all the time, and projecting and visualising, or dreaming, you might call it.
2: Well, perhaps if you hadn't been on that show, it would still be on air, is all I'm saying. It
0: <laughs> feels like the kiss of death for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, it all started going wrong, actually, after that.
0: <laughs> it's... Yeah, talking about dreaming, thing, though, I mean, you know, you've been in impersonations, recreations, better than impersonations of various people throughout the years, and then you get to meet them. Um, what, what is that like? How is that exchange? Is it the elephant in the room? Who breaks the ice first?
1: No, they, they, they tend to like it, because I think people know that I only impersonate people I'm affectionate towards, oh, totally. You know that saying, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. All the people I impersonate... I really like or I admire. And I personally think that comes across in the impersonation.
2: Who are you the most kind of blown away by? Did Bruce Springsteen. Me? Yeah. Oh. I, I told if we're you my talking Bruce, about story, Bruce
1: Springsteen. You have got to hear his Bruce Springsteen. I, well, that, story. let's not
2: build it up. But I basically did a charity gig, which is not usual for me, so it stands out as a memory. <laughs> <laughs> and the, we're in Madison Square Gardens. It's like five comics. It's for uh, injured servicemen. It's like the US version of Help for Heroes. So the guys are incredible, right? You meet all the servicemen when you go in, and it's five comics. It's like John Stewart, Jim Gaffigan. Um, I can't remember, I'm trying to think, a few other big hitters, and me. And I'm not that big a deal in America, but I was doing like 15 minutes, and Bruce was headlining the gig. Bruce Springsteen is a singer from America. And... He's been headlining it for 20 years. He's supported the charity all the way through. They've raised millions every year. It's a wonderful course. So I walk into Madison Square Gardens, arrive in the car. I've got my suit in the bag. Walk in. They say, they, uh, they say we up there. On the left is the dressing room, and the green room's on the right. I walk up the stairs, like, you know, backstage at a venue. I'm used to that kind of thing. They've got my picture on the wall, so they know it's me. Walk up there into the green room, and in a vision in double denim just looking at something on the wall, like the, the, the listings for what we're doing, what time people are going on. And I walk in there, and it's Bruce Springsteen. And I've just done Desert Island Discs. And I changed my Desert Island Disc because I listened to his, and it was so good. It's just brilliant. And I just started chatting to him about that, with the music choices, the things. And I'm chatting away to him. We got onto favourite records. And I was in there maybe maybe 25 minutes, just giving it And he's like, oh, right, great, and I'm a comic on the bill, chatting around. And as I turn, I notice on the door, which is open still, it says Bruce Springsteen. And I go, is this the green room or your dressing room? And he went, it's my dressing room. And I went, should I go? And he went,
1: yeah.
0: Okay, just taking a pause to tell you about AG1, also supporting this particular podcast. AG1, I'm asked all the time about the one thing I do to take care of my health. If I could pick only just one product, it would be foundational nutrition, and AG1 is a top foundational nutrition product. I can't think of any other daily routine that pays off as well as AG1 according to people that I really look up to, who really know their stuff. AG1 is recommended by such luminaries as Rich Roll, the amazing professor, Dr Andrew Schieberman. Tim Ferriss, and our one, our only Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. AG1 was created in 2010 and it's helped millions of mornings begin on a healthier foundation ever since. My wife takes it, I take it, even our 14-year-old son Noah takes it now, he swears by it. AG1 is not only a high-quality, all-in-one solution for daily foundational nutrition, it also saves you time, confusion and money compared to individual supplements that can add up to a small fortune. AG1 replaces your multivitamin probiotic and much more in one simple drinkable habit AG1 is great bang for my book as it replaces a lot of these other supplements like a daily multivitamin, minerals, pre and probiotics for my gut health, adaptogens and a greens blend literally all in one scoop of powder. I think there's 75 different supplements in each scoop. Science driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics and whole food source nutrients. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. Just one daily serving gives me the comprehensive foundational nutrition I need. Go to drinkag1.com slash how to wow. That's drinkag1.com slash how to wow. Give it a go. Check it out. Let us know how it lands. And now back to the wow. Isn't great. And great. You, but you've seen him since, haven't you? Yeah. And it's okay. It's he's like, he's, he, he's traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: spent the rest of the night just poking my head round his dressing room door. Go on, go on, practice makes perfect. (laughs) Can you do Bruce
0: Springsteen? Well, (laughs) hooray, Kerfist! (laughs) That's
1: as good as it gets.
0: Okay, what I love about this, when Rob does this, because that's Al Pacino just modified briefly, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Al Pacino, well, I'm interested in how voices change over the years. If you think about Alan Bennett in the 1980s with Talking Heads and when he was impersonated on Spitting Image, it would be a very high voice like that. Oh, ma'am sent me down to the market in Leeds, and I came back with some custard creams. But over the years, voices drop, and you lose some ability around the mouth. (laughs) And it'd be very difficult to know what anybody's saying. You only know it's Alan Benny, because sometimes he'll say custard cream. The famous one is Michael Caine. In the nineteen sixties, Michael Caine's voice was all the way up there. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. But over the years, the voice has changed. It's gone right to the back of the throat, and it's got very, very hesitant and very emotional. I don't want to bury another Batman, Master Bruce. <laughs>
2: Wow! Uh, Just makes you wish you had a talent, doesn't it, Chris?
0: (laughs) Unbelievable. And he can sing, and he can tell jokes, and he can tell stories, and he's a brilliant actor as well. He's got this amazing acting job we can't talk about, haven't you, Rob? That's
1: why I've got this beard, by the way. I don't think this is a good look. This is for a part that I'm doing in the autumn. It's dyed. I don't want you to think Rob's had a midlife crisis. Okay?
2: Well, you have, but it's not yeah, but this. But it's not, not this one, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. Well, so you, what do you mean you can't talk about it? It's oh, clearly, I know it's clearly the three musketeers. No,
1: no, I know it's ludicrous, but when you do shows nowadays, they, they're very strict. They say, we haven't announced you. Nobody cares, but I'm a team player, so I can't announce it.
0: But people think it's a, people are alluding to the fact it's not a film, it's just a musical about... Uh, it's a,
1: well, all right, it's the Richard Hammond musical... It's called, I'm Always Looking Up, and (laughs) what can I do, what can I say, talking to Clarkson, talking to May, wherever I go, near or far, I'm looking for a car, I'm Richard, I'm looking up, that's, that's the musical, I told you he'd sing. Jimmy, have you ever acted? I can't
0: remember. Have you acted in anything? Uh, no. I mean, I don't have think you I been have asked? the facility. Yeah, I could
2: turn up and oh. play myself. That's about all I could do. I've got no, have you no been, skills. Have you, have you been asked to be in a film to act? Because those, those asks do come in, don't they? Uh, no. No, Chris, it's, it's slightly embarrassing. You phrased it like that. No, I've...
0: Uh no, the hotline is there, but it's... <laughs> it Look, really amazing comedians, really hot comedians, often sort of, um, you know, they develop into to, to movie stars, don't they? I mean, lots of standard comedians have done that. Well, we, we've been waiting a while. Like, I know! See, this is I'm a late really, call. I've never asked that
2: question before. I'm really surprised that's never happened to you. Well, as am I, but no-one
1: else. <laughs> no-one else here shares that. People say to that. me, you know, what was it? Was there anything left for Jimmy that he didn't do? And I always say, I think he would have made a great actor. And I remember him saying to me, the phone never rang. And I think, look, I think he died a happy man. He was complete. But maybe if he could have acted, that would have been lovely. But with CGI now, I wouldn't be surprised. We could see Jimmy in a film one day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Talking of death... um... There's no. Worse... I don't feel like he is dead because no. his spirit, his spirit is all
1: around us.
0: But there's, there's no worse moment, I don't think, <clears throat> in, in showbiz, um, and I've never experienced it, but I, I've been there when it's happened, I know people it's happened to, than that phrase when a comedian dies on stage. Because you go on stage with a microphone, and all you've got is a microphone and yourself and your stories and your vibration and your rhythm and your engagement or non-engagement with the right people, you know, and your confidence. Um, Rob, but,
1: what's it like? <laughs> What, dying on stage? Come on now. When I started out, I would play uh, little bars, rooms above pubs, uh, church halls, and there was a notoriously difficult club, which you'll know in East London, called Up The Creek. Where's that, Deptford, Greenwich? Oh, Greenwich, yeah. yeah. Greenwich, yeah. And I went on there with a very flimsy act of Welsh observations. I mean, it wasn't good. And worse than a heckle is silence. Because with silence, you've got nothing. And your throat starts to go dry in your tongue and as i was flailing some clever dick down the front went <laughs> and i thought don't worry just carry on then someone else over there it's like bleh. Sp- bleh, 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 the whole room oh it's like spartacus it machine. was it was like spartacus and I did the worst thing you can do. I just carried on. You have to address it. I carried on. I came off terrified and drove home thinking, oh, my God, I had no future. I eventually came up with a line for that, Jim, because it happens now and again. Somebody will make a sheep noise, and I'll get very upset. Thank you. And I'll say to the audience, whoa, whoa, I'm not having this. As though I'm offended, you know, with modern sensibilities. I say, no sheep noises, please. It's very hard for me to remember this act when aroused.
2: It's one of my favourite jokes. The...
1: I use a stronger word when I say it normally,
2: but this is a family festival. It's a
0: family festival. I had a friend
2: that was Welsh, and I asked him how many partners he'd had in his life, and he started to count, and he fell asleep. <laughs> I think the I think there are worse things than silence. Like really? for a heckle. Like, I remember seeing someone above a pub. It wasn't you, but the guy was, and he's a funny guy, but it was absolutely dying. There was absolutely nothing. And the guy wasn't even being mean, but he just turned to his friend and went, There used to be a pool table in here.
0: <laughs> when you say the guy is a nice guy, and the guy was a funny guy, but he's still tanking. Yeah, so, I was being nice, it's all unusual right,
2: okay. for me Yeah, terrible comic, what okay. are you going to do?
0: Uh, best, best turning, a, re- reverse ferret of an audience you've ever um, composed? Best one? Rever- turning round of an audience
2: Turning round of an audience? Yeah. Well often they'll be great when I walk on But by the time I leave, <laughs> wow! <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm normally sort of, I preach to the choir now I mean very little of my act I could do at this lovely event Which I should
0: really rethink my life this is great. <laughs> you, you are notorious, for, for, again, for your, uh, your, your preciseness in, in jokes. I mean, that's fair to say, isn't it? He's so crisp, isn't he? He's so clear, he's so sharp. It's unbelievable. Um, when did you write your first absolutely beautifully sort of composed, concise, first ever line? You went, What's- yes, that's it. I can do it. There's the crack in the darkness. It was a weird thing, I was in my mid-twenties working in a boring
2: office job and I was going to a lot of comedy, and I had this idea that maybe... You know when you get into comedy, you first of all you go and see someone at Wembley Arena, you go and see something incredible, and then Hammersmith Apollo, again incredible, two hours of laughter. Then you go to the comedy store and there's four comics on, and you might think three are good, but one of them's only okay. And then you end up above a pub watching guys like us like trying new stuff, and you go, well I could do that and then you reverse engineer your sort of whole career. So it's just like, it's almost like crossword puzzles. It's almost like the joke was always there and you're trying to reverse it. I think the first one I ever wrote, which isn't very funny, but it was genuinely the first joke I ever wrote, was about working class kids become boxers or musicians because there's only one way out. I was very middle class, grew up in a cul-de-sac. There was only one way out. It's a very middle-class audience, and it's
0: clean, so I can tell. And so, that. so because
2: that's the beginning of something. So where'd you go next with that? Well, you, I mean, it's the beginning of something, but you kind of have the nub of going. Okay, so I had that, and I sort of had the the, the punchline first, and that's the clue. It's all about structures and pattern recognition. It's quite an easy thing to learn how to write jokes. Well yeah you say that cuz you're a genius at it. I mean you are. Well, I'm writing a book about it cuz I think it's that thing of just not for any not for sort of general consumption but for other comics cuz I think they're a bit like people are a bit superstitious about it like oh I, I don't quite know where the magic comes from whereas actually I think just sitting down and doing it's quite fun. Just do the work. Yes, it's, it's as much fun as a sudoku.
1: He's very it pays much better an academic with it. But you must also experience the things where something happens to you in your life and a little bell goes oh Oh, that's great. We, we had a thing, we were on holiday and we had some friends and uh, there were musical instruments out and there was a guitar and a glockenspiel. And I started making fun of the friend that was playing the glockenspiel. And my wife said, you could do that in the show. And I went, oh, and that became a really strong seven, eight minutes of the show. Just the glockenspiel bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're that's not it. selling this show, mate. You. It's the magic that can only be believed when it's seen. If Jimmy yeah. was still with us, he'd have loved it. But things like that, things just happened. I used to do a routine about my 14-year-old son being born. He came early. Uh, as a surprise, he ended up being born at home. I helped deliver him. It was traumatic, but of course it was farcically funny. And even as it was happening, I'm going, oh, this would be really good. <laughs> I think you can't help thinking that way. Yeah. How, how
0: did that manifest on stage? Gives a little bit of a
1: Well, what you do is you take the reality of it, and the truth was I was playing golf with Ronnie Corbett. It was nine... It's true, it's true, it's true. It's true. And nine days before Tom was due, and my wife phoned. She said, I think it's happening. Ronnie said, oh, ah, right. We'd better get you home. And we got into the buggy so you strap him into the baby seat i strapped him into the baby seat i climbed on the booster and off we went (laughs) and i got home and claire was there we was too far gone to go to the place so we ended up and i caught uh tom and there were little things like at one point you know when a baby's being born it starts to appear And uh, I said, oh my God, I I could see her stood there. She she was bizarre. She had a head at one end and a head at the other. (laughs) I said, she looked like a playing card. (laughs) And that just kind of builds. And then the fantasy aspect is in reality, I did catch him, but for the act, I said, and then I did something I can't explain. It was just instinct. Maybe it's because I'm Welsh, but I went, And then you build on top of that. I said, well, there he was over there. There was all this umbilical cord spread around the room. I thought, what the hell are we going to do with that? The midwife, cool as a cucumber, went over, put her foot on my wife's foot, went boom, and the cord went <laughs> And that's why we called him Henry. <laughs> a proper comedy.
0: Now that is completely different to what you do. Yeah, it chose, no no, I mean within, within it I think
2: there are I only, similarities. I had uh, only had kids about 3 years ago because I needed another 45 minutes of stuff for this tour. <laughs> but how, how would Nothing you Nothing repeatable here I'm <laughs> so social But sorry. how would you interpret that scenario? I know it's, it's sort of a big... Oh there's there's a story but honestly it would sour the day. <laughs> <laughs> if I told the story. Can Probably, you take us up to the bit that would sit out of the day and then... The yeah. only... Oh, has maybe one half... Clean. Well, you know, a lot of people give their kids unusual names and live to regret it. Now, some people consider my boy's name to be somewhat unusual, but then they see his face and he does just look like an Adolf. <laughs> <laughs> but that's about as clean
0: as it gets. It's just... That's as far as you can go. Um...
1: I mean, Jimmy walks
0: a tightrope all the time of of risk and reward. You don't, do you? That's fair to say, isn't
1: it? Not really. But then, even then, you know, I'll sometimes be on stage, and you'll get a little. I'll think, oh, well, I go with this. I, I think you find what suits you. And and when I went from my Keith Barrett persona, which I did in Marion and Jeff and the Keith Barrett show... That's where I know you from. That's where you've seen me before. I knew it. When I started, I I did some stand-up tours as Keith. And when I first went out under my own name, I thought it's essential that I'm as far away from that persona as I can be. So I be, tried to become very cool and very, and it didn't work. And I realised that the Keith Barrett thing was that's an extension of me anyway. So I allowed that back in. I think you can only be who you are, and I think it's very important to find what that is and then ride that horse in the direction that it's going.
0: Absolutely bang on. Why wouldn't you? You know, we've all got our superpowers, and we should just uh, embrace them and use them. How many times you've been cancelled, Jimmy? uh about once
2: every six months i think currently it's not that bad is it being cancelled
0: no i well it seems to be less effective the more it happens it depends whether you how it's like
2: it's like a vaccine
0: yeah you get (laughs) inoculated against it yeah i suppose it's about how you react to it as opposed to respond to it is now you know i
2: think it i think it's that weird thing where you go look i i told a joke and some people didn't like it what are you gonna, here's my plan for the next time I get cancelled. Next time I get cancelled, I'm going to say, I'm sorry. And the people that I've offended will say, you don't really mean that apology. And I'll say, so you're saying I can say something and not mean it. Now you're getting
0: it. <laughs> so clever, that, isn't it? Oh, my goodness me. Um... Uh, the the area. Th- what's what's the most uncancelable thing you could say? Un- uncancelable. Like what's this the safest like ground trap. you could hang on? You could what? be on. What? What, what? what? Like what? What's what's your three safest? If if like the Holy Trinity landed here today, and who knows they may have done, and they wanted it the one safest thing in the world, one joke each. I'm not sure this Tory government That's... <laughs>
2: That feels pretty safe right now. I'm not sure they handle this COVID thing brilliantly. That's, like, pretty bulletproof. Did you go there in your act tonight? Will you be doing that in uh, Not much, because topical stuff just moves on. I can't, you know... I've got to tour the world. People don't care in Australia. So I write stuff that's slightly more universal. But, yeah, there's plenty of stuff about Boris Johnson.
0: Do you do genuine encores? Is that a thing still nowadays in comedy?
2: Um I don't but that's uh, that's to do with what the audience want.
1: what's that genuine on yeah. Oh right. No. But you do go off and come back on again, don't you? Yeah, but in a different town on another night. <laughs> <laughs> Because I went to watch Jerry Seinfeld
0: at um, the O2. Did you go to that gig? Most people were there that, I, that, that absolutely loved it. And he just does a straight hour. He does a, you know this. You know him. He does, a, he does one hour. He looks at his watch. He's very cynical about it. He absolutely he, he, he kills the audience. He kills it. He shreds them. But he's, he's even better than that. His thing is the
2: ideal time isn't an hour. The ideal time is five minutes on The Tonight Show. Huh. That's like his, that's the perfect length. Anything longer than that is a compromise for him. And it's so, every word is perfect. He's one of the, the absolute ghosts. He's one of
1: the all-time greats. The, wh- when he was doing his TV series, you'll know this, and NBC wanted it to carry on and carry on, and he and Larry David, or had Larry David gone by then? He decided he didn't want to do it anymore. And the executives are trying to persuade him. And he said, look, we've, we've done every story. And they said, well, okay, let's ask the viewers what they'd like to see happen. And he said... That's like the pilot asking the passengers how he should fly the plane. And I thought, yes, absolutely. And he's a big one for not necessarily giving them what they want, for making them want more. I'm always a big believer in that. I'd rather something was tight and short. Someone went off and you thought, oh, I wish there'd been more of that.
2: I always, always do two hours on stage on the basis that this gig is just the sales pitch for next time. Like This one is just like, come see me again when I'm back in two
0: years, because this needs to roll. His his philosophy is that the audience will always win. It's like surfing. The waves always win if you stay out there long enough. He says the audience will win if you stay out there for... The longer you stay out there, the more chance they'll have of winning, and eventually they will win, so get off before that happens. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, is that the end of this? Well, I've been told to wind it up, so to be honest. <laughs> uh, we can do a couple of questions in the audience, but we're going to have to do really quick, and I can't take my microphone out there because you'll definitely see the old um, niagara um, Somebody <laughs> else is going to have to get the microphone out there because that's, the, that's not the way to the start day three, I don't think. Hi. What's hey. your name? Where are you from? Oh, my name's Catherine. I'm from Derbyshire. My question's for Rob. Um, are we having any more seasons of Would I Lie to You?
1: Are we having any more seasons of Would I Lie to You? How are we going to know if this is true? (laughs) Oh, that's good. Well, um, I'm awfully sorry to to tell you this in front of a bloody crowd. Yes, we are. Yeah, we've already recorded one that'll go out later this year, one series. And I think we're booked in to do another series uh, next year.
0: Okay, hands up. He thought the lady was going to ask, are we going to get any more Gavin and Stacey? I thought that was going to be the
1: question. Okay, next question. Oh, no, we've got to ask that one, first of all. Well, Chris, I'm delighted you've asked that question. Yes, Uncle Chris. And I'll tell you for why. What a lovely festival crowd. There are some lovely-looking boys here, Jimmy. Really melt in the mouth. Do you
2: want to add anything to it? You really made a bad decision with the short shorts, Chris.
1: No, there are no plans for more Gavin and Stacey. Having said that, when they did the last one, that special, I had no idea they'd written the script and I always thought, well, I'd know they were writing and I didn't until they phoned up and said, so I hope they'll do another special maybe, but there are no plans.
0: All right, okay, another question, please. Hi, Rob, I'm Tony from
1: South Wales. All right, Tony, how's it going? All right, Rob, good to see you. How'd you you get up, on a coach? Yeah, we walked, we walked. Stopped a memory, Mm -hmm. classic. Exactly. Only for Petra. Lovely. We've relived the glory. I've been photo taken with Westlife in one of those booths. Bloody brilliant. <laughs> Only five quid. Last a lifetime. I've been laminated. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Tone, go ahead. Sorry, cheers Rob. We've recently Chris can't lean over board. like that for much longer at his age. <laughs> go on, Tone. I've been bullied by my kids to ask it, Rob, I'm, I'm sorry to ask, but now we're amongst friends and a long time has passed. Can you share what actually happened on that fishing trip? Oh, no. (laughs) What happened on the fishing trip? That bloody fishing trip, Doris, it haunts me. I honestly don't know, Tone. All I've got are the clues that are in the show. It defied gravity, it was very cold, and it's legal in some countries. Got a question for Jimmy, question for Jimmy? Hi, I'm Verity from Market Harbour, Leicestershire. Chris, thanks so much for an amazing festival. It's been incredible. I'm so sad it's finishing. Um, But you put some money towards Kevin Costner as your security guard this year, I see. Sorry? What? Kevin Costner what? He's like, Kevin Costner doesn't he? The your security guard. Jimmy. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Sorry, can't see him. Does he look like? Does... Yes. <laughs> okay, let's get him out here. Kevin Costner, the security guard. Is he? Oh, we wonder what he was up
1: to. Jake. Come on, I can't see you man. Him. Come here. Well, he looks a little bit like Kevin Costner. He is to Kevin Costner what I am to Elvis Presley. <laughs>
0: Still can't oh see him. OK, do you
1: have a question? No question. I do. Um, so no, it's just a gag. Heckler.
0: You just put your hand up for a gag. Yeah. Good for you. I'm a bit
1: of a heckler. I'm really sorry, family. Jimmy, what has been the most awkward haggle or heckle, whatever you call them? The, um, the,
2: the you... most awkward heckle? I don't know. If, is that? Is there any... Oh, there's nothing repeatable. There's so many kids here. It's, it normally involves my mum. And they're... <laughs> And they're often not my dad. So you go, well, how did that happen?
0: Right, another question. got time for three more. Here we go. Hi, I'm Christopher from Kent. Uh, Can I take a photo? Yeah,
1: Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. Um, Come Come up up and take a photo. Um, Wait, not on. Christopher Two Hats. Okay. He's like a character in The Sopranos. Chrissy Two Hats. Three Um, hats, in fact. Hello, I'm Billy
2: from Devon. And this is a message for, or or a question for Jimmy. Jimmy, I saw you in Exeter, and you were fantastic, but it seemed to me that about four or five weeks later, you faced loads of criticism for offending people. Yeah. Did you ever change your act because of that criticism? No. No, man, no. No. um, But... Thanks for asking, yeah, thanks for coming to the show. It's uh, No, I think if I started apologising, that is another 20-year career, because where would you stop? Well, I, I was amazed when I get into trouble over a joke. I was thinking,
0: that's not the worst thing I've said today. Great question, excellent question. Um, by the way, Chris, who is leaning over now, uh, he puts the festival on and he never really gets his own moment. He is amazing, let's hear it for Chris. Who... Yay! He is the best.
2: People don't know he's your dad.
0: Question.
1: Thank you. Hello, I'm Alison from Kent, and I'm with my friends, and we're all 50 this year, celebrating in Carfest. Um, Jimmy, I'm a careers advisor.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How's that working out? Yeah
1: really well until you said what you
0: said <laughs> anyway, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like all right to... don't
1: cry
2: <laughs> this could be the most awkward heckle <laughs> so look you're a careers advisor you're yes. a professional what do you think rob should do <laughs> he's I tried think, a lot um, of things but well, nothing's really taken off
1: Well, when Wad was talking the other day, I was going to ask him to do an impression of Tom Jones. But, Jimmy, I'd like to ask you, what careers advice would you give your 15-year-old self?
2: What would I give my 15-year-old self? Well, if I could... There wasn't a lot of free time. I, I don't know if it's careers advice, but I'd say rehydrate.
1: Do you
0: have any more, Chris? Any more? One more? There you go. We'll have one more from the man in... Christopher,
1: have you got a camera? (laughs) (laughs) My God, that man has stolen it in broad daylight.
0: Okay. by the way, uh, what's your name? Where are you from? Uh, My name's James. I'm from Litchfield in Staffordshire. Hi, James. And James, Liverpool yesterday, 9-0 against Bournemouth. Boom. Get in there, lads. Get in there. What's your question? Um, This one's for Rob. So, I was listening to Virgin Radio on Friday. I heard a promise that you give everyone at CarFest a selfie.
1: Did I say that? And can I leave? Did I say that? Yes, but it's going to be one for each year that the festival. So, I'll do one this year. One next year, one the year after, and we'll just keep going. I'll do one with you if you want to okay, come here. Would you here.
0: like a selfie? Come on. All Bring right. your
1: camera now.
0: Okay. I think, I think we're done, aren't we? Um, Rob Brydon and Jimmy Carr, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Jimmy Carr and Rob Brydon recorded live at last year's CarFest. If you want to be at this year's CarFest, once again go to carfest.org to come join us this August bank holiday weekend. All right, thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.